Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 164. I have a special guest today because we're just going to jump right into it. Because my special guest is actually here in the studio with me. This is a rare opportunity. Uh, normally, I don't get a chance to uh, stand side by side, sit next face to face with somebody. But I've invited, sorry, Aldo Giazzi uh, from Impressions. Aldo, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you for having Beautiful weather still. It is beautiful weather. We are here in sunny Northern California. Yes, we are. Um, it is fall, and I don't. we can tell it's fall because the national weather forecast shows the leaves changing in other parts of the country. <laughs> and it's 80 degrees still here. Yes, we're in shorts and uh, enjoying ourselves. So let's, we're here to talk about, this is a show dedicated to Kickstarter, but we're going to talk about uh, so many of the listeners and guests have evolved around the board game space, mm -hmm. mainly because the board game space has really kind of led the way on Kickstarter in many ways, yep. defining a lot of activities and things that are happening. So we want to talk about um, this impact that Kickstarter is having in the board game industry, your perspective, the importance of it, retailers, manufacturing, publishing, that type of thing. So let's start, first of all, by having you explain to my listeners, what do you do? Well, a long time ago, I was on your show when we first met, actually, and we talked about just what my business was, but it, it is a strange one. Um, Impressions is a game distribution service company, which pretty much specializes in handling the distributor and retailer sales, shipping, warehousing work for game publishers. So we warehouse the games and then get them into distributors throughout the world. So, okay. so Middleman, rep. So just for a reality check, how long have you been doing this? Uh, what are we, 2014 years? 14 years. And before that, I was a small press game publisher back in 94, making my own little silly games. And you have a, your claim to fame in the board game space, is that, <laughs> right? I don't have a claim to fame. Sure you do. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's talk about the more important thing. Free RPG day. Oh, oh, you're talking about that. Oh, yes. And we also uh, have run an organized free RPG day, which is in its uh, eight years. And for those who are listening, Free RPG Day is a day you can go into a game public, a game retailer. Correct. Participating retailer. And get free stuff. And get free role-playing game products, yes. Just like Free Comic Book Day, but role-playing. And, and you were the creator of that. Uh, yes. my Really, I mean, as I always say, Joseph Goodman from Goodman Games said, although I've got this great idea, we're going to do Free Adventure Module Day. And I go, Joe, that is the worst idea ever. We're just going to call it Free RPG Day. I'll take care of it. And he goes, okay, bye. I mean, it was practically that. It was that short of a conversation. And what's beautiful is that that was eight years ago. That was eight years ago. And now Joe joins our gaming group. Because you and I actually... Yes, Joe moved to the Bay Area a little over a year ago. So he's part of our gaming group, which is great to have him. It is. It's great. So let's talk then about, um, in those 14 years, mm -hmm. have you seen changes happen in the last, let's say, two years? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know you're loading the question for Kickstarter, of course, uh, which is great. Um, but yes, I mean, lots of changes after we went through the D20 role-playing glut. Uh, we went through the Euro board game glut uh, for a little bit, but now just board games are just board game space, card game space is just growing. The hobby game space is growing. Okay. And, and this is being driven by Kickstarter. Well, yes and no. I mean, Kickstarter has definitely lowered the barrier of entry to get people into the marketplace. That's one of the, you know, that's one of the stumbling blocks, I think, for many businesses is the barrier of entry, you know. And once you lower the barrier of entry, you know, it could be a wave of, you know, expansion. And I think that's what Kickstarter did. 
Lower the barrier of entry. Lower the barrier of entry for the manufacturing of games. Correct. Getting the game published, made, because most people are either, I'm mortgaging my house, I'm getting credit cards, I'm borrowing money from friends. That's the way it used to happen. That's the way it used to happen. And how many people did you know that had a garage full of uh, unsellable board games? Well, I still have, there's still so many. I mean, Kickstarter or not, doesn't matter. I mean, there are so many games lying around, overproduced. Anyway. So what's the difference between, so if I use Kickstarter to get the money to make a game, what's the difference between publishing a game and making a game? The, the, ma the manufacturer is the company in China. Okay. The publisher is you, I mean. If I just want to design a game and I don't want to be the publisher. Then you're a developer. Okay. A designer or developer. If you want to use the video game strategy, video game companies have developers and then publishers. Electronic Arts is a publisher. And the, I don't know who does it, whoever makes Madden is some development studio and EA does all the marketing, the packaging, and the distribution. Okay, so... But in our arena, the publisher and the developer are pretty much the same. We just call it the publisher. Okay, so the publisher... So we talk about barrier to entry. Kickstarter is lowered the barrier to entry to, to raise funds to be able to afford to manufacture or publish a game. Yeah, there's no waiting around anymore. But it hasn't necessarily lowered the barrier of entry of actually getting shelf space in a retail game store. Well, correct, but you're now talking two different things, in my opinion, because there are so many people that they don't even think of retail and distribution now that Kickstarter. They just go, oh, I'm going to do 600 copies, 1,000 copies on Kickstarter, make my direct money and my giant profit margin. Oh, I could get my game in game stores? I didn't think about it. Like, seriously, people people do that. They don't even think about distribution. They see Kickstarter as just the one end. outlet. The end. Kickstarter, make money, done. Done. Sell off my website. Right. Because distribution, you know, is such a cut. You know, the, the well, discount. No, explain that. What does that mean? The discount to get into distribution. Distributors take 60% off. 60%? Off. So a $40 game, they pay $16 to the publisher. So if I make a game and sell it in a distribution, mm -hmm. I'm going to get, and I sell it for $40 on Kickstarter, mm -hmm. I'm going to get $16 if I put it into distribution. Correct. Why would I put it into distribution? That, that sounds insane. Well, it does, but when, you know, it's the law of averages. I mean, not the law of averages. Whatever. You know, uh, you, you print a lot of games. Of course, the cost of goods gets lower and lower the more you print. So people are going to make games on Kickstarter by hand. Oh, I make 300 through the Game Crafter or through my local Kinkos or parts and pieces that I'm going to make. Woo, I made it. It cost me $20. I sold it for 40 on Kickstarter. Yay. You can't, I mean, if you get a professional company manufacturer in China, you can make a $40 game for five, six, seven bucks if you start printing 1000 1500 So some people don't even want to do distribution because they can sell 1,000 copies off Kickstarter direct for that giant profit margin from $6 to $40, why bother with yeah, distribution? But exactly. So why bother with distribution? Because if they can sell even a 500 more in distribution, they're going to now have a print run of 1,500. It's going to lower that cost of goods even more. They make maybe a smaller amount of money, but now they're a real company. Well, opinion. wait a minute. You and I have had a discussion on your show, which is a yeah, vidcast, yeah. Uh, Impressions Vidcast, which yep, is a yep. YouTube channel. And you have told me adamantly that retailers believe that there is no market for a game once it's been successful on Kickstarter. I, yes. So how can so if I do a thousand copies on Kickstarter, where's this other thousand or six hundred that I'm going to sell through retail? Because well, retail stores, no, they're you might sell six hundred. Yeah, I mean it's hard. It, I mean any game, whether it's Kickstarter or not, it is hard to sell more than five six hundred copies through distribution if you're new 
per year. Per, forever. Forever. Five or six hundred copies. I, love, I mean, I do that to you all the time. I'm like, forever. And people are like, what? I mean, I tell people that a lot, too. I'm like, oh, five, six hundred. They go in the first month, and I go, no, forever. I mean, and they think I'm a nut. They think I'm a loon. And that's fine. You know, eventually, I tell people, you know, check it out yourself. Please, please, I, I, I beg you, call somebody else. Get a different, a second opinion. You know, call, you know, distributors. Call other manufacturers or publishers, blah, blah, blah. But it's still not answering the question. Because why should I bother going to re, to distribution if I've had a successful Kickstarter campaign? I, to answer that question, I really think it is. If you plan to have future games, it's a good way to snowball yourself into potentially being a real game company. What's a real game company? Either you're going to do it full time, or you're going to publish a game once every four months or six months. Like if you plan to have another game, which every gamer does, right? But if you want a a viable business plan, I think, to be a game company. Sure, you can be a Kickstarter company. Don't think you can't. But I'm one of those money guys. I'm a capitalist, okay? Like, if there's a way, a, a direction that I can get some extra money, I'm going to go get it. And distribution and retail is another piece of the revenue pie. Just like Amazon's a piece of the revenue pie. Kickstarter, your website, conventions, they're all pieces of the pie. Why would you give up a piece of revenue? Because Even if it's 300 copies at a poor margin. Why because I'm giving up time to, to, to deal with it, sure. to stay on top uh, of, of it. Of course, you, right? you do. You have to figure out, is it worth your time? Right. A lot of people say, gosh, Aldo, I've called six distributors. Nobody calls me back. Why am I bothering when they only... Yeah, why, uh, why am I bothering? And then what's your answer? And my answer is, is that you have to do it to give yourself a, a chance to sm snowball into something bigger. Really. I mean, really is. It's one of those baby steps. It's one of those first steps if you want to get to the next tier as a company or a game publisher. So Kickstarter, if you're going to look at Kickstarter as a one-time, make some money, I'm done, that's fine. Sure. But you're saying that if you're looking for Kickstarter as a way to jumpstart your stone. business. It's a stepping stone for a business, yes. If your first Kickstarter is just Kickstarter Direct so you can make a huge profit margin so you can then justify your next game, and then your next game's going to be a Kickstarter plus 500 more for distribution. Hey, whatever I do on this Kickstarter, I'm actually going to add 500 and go print in China now. And even if I sell those 500 for the same cost that it that I did to do a smaller run, smaller run, you're building your brand. At least you're on that shelf. You're in stores, and somebody could see your game on the shelf and go, "Oh, who is this? Well, I'm going to try it." And you start snowballing because you're going to do a third game. Right, and now they saw you on the shelf with your second game, and then saw that you had a first game that was direct only. I, again, I, I'm a believer in brand. You need to build a line. Yeah, as but, a game company. but you've got people coming to you. I've got people coming to me. How do you get in that shelf even the first time? If you put a Kickstarter campaign out there and it's direct, mm -hmm. and you do a next one, and now you go to that retailer, that isn't that retailer going to say, "I don't want to deal with you because you're doing Kickstarters direct"? Correct. There, there is a big negative situation out there. If you're a game publisher on Kickstarter and you didn't do some ludicrous amount of money to get people, the retailer's attention or the other consumer's con attention, then yeah, retailers are like, eh, I don't even need one copy. They've sold 600. They have 600 backers. They've had, they, they got the alpha gamers. So, but that sounds like your strategy then doesn't work. That I do my first Kickstarter, I do my second one, I add 500, I get it on the store shelf. I start to build this line, but people aren't even, retailers aren't even paying attention to me in the first place. What do you tell your clients? How do they get noticed? It's tough. It's tough. 
But I mean, but overall, I mean, really, I think in reality, and this is just anecdotal, that there's only really a hundred game hobby game stores really paying attention to this Kickstarter stuff. There's such a potential market of retailers. No offense, Mister Retailer. That really is not paying attention to what's going on. Why aren't they? Why aren't they paying attention? Uh, they because they're making so much money off of Magic and you know some of these other key core brands that to them that's negligible to worry about selling two or three copies of a random game per month when they're selling packs and packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and Magic cards and. So let's take let's take a reality check on that then. Are you telling me that most game stores or many game stores? are making a lot more money on Magic cards than they are on selling a $50, $60, $70 board game. Yes. How? Yes. Really? I don't think think you understand the magnitude of how many packs of Magic cards are sold. I mean, how many? I don't know the answer, but every time you talk to a retailer, ask them what percent of their business, what's their biggest seller, besides soda. You know, (laughs) if they carry soda, they're going to say Magic. They're going to say Magic. So Magic has figured as, out a way. As a game itself. But then they might say, oh, well, 40% of my sales are Magic, 40% are board games. But imagine there's... That, that 40% is one product line. Correct. It's one product line. Right. I don't know if it's 40%, but just, I, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I've it, heard stores tell me 50 60% of their business is Magic. It's big numbers. It is. Big number. And so if you're a... If, so... What that tells me then is I should go on Kickstarter and do a magic-like oh, card game. Oh, God. It's like magic, only better. Boy, I, I, trading card, collectible card games, don't even bother. Really? I mean, seriously. Well, why not? <sighs> Look how big magic is. Do you, you don't remember back in the 90s when there was the collectible card game glut, do you? Oh, yes, I do. Tomb Raider card games, oh, yeah, Star- Terminator, Star-, Star-, Star Trek, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. A Doom... Trooper. Yeah. Uh, just the list went on and on and on, and it just failed. And then all these other game companies started all these Japanese anime collectible cards, just and everything in the 2000s. And just if it says CCG, retailers are like, no, thank you. If it's not Yu Gi Oh, Pokemon, Magic, oh my god, do you know how hard it was for Cardfight Vanguard to get in? I mean, Cardfight Vanguard, that was one that came in, and it's been doing very well, but I think it's slowing down. So, uh, what other challenges, not challenges isn't the right word, because a lot of people come to you, and, and you come, and you say that, you know, they all think you're a downer, but you look, and so one of them comes to you with a collectible card game, a CCG, and you're like, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you, I don't care what it is, it it's going to fail, it could be printed on gold paper, whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, okay, I've got a chess variant, no, okay, but uh, that's just, I'm in the hobby game market, you got to understand, chess variants may do well in educational markets. No, chess no, variants. Actually, I know the answer to that. Chess <laughs> variants fail. And it used to be a category on Kickstarter until they realized that nobody funds chess variants. Somebody, so, somebody came to me recently with a chess variant. It's like, but it's like magic. People play magic because they like magic. Exactly. People play chess because they like chess. I had a client. Sci-fi trading card game. It's for the magic player, he said to me. And he, he convinced yeah. me to take it. He just kept hammering. I said, okay, I'll try it. Blah, blah. And he was on my show. Failed instantly. I'm yeah. sorry. Failed instantly. Because magic players like to play magic. magic. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> All right, so let's talk. We've got a few more minutes here. So uh, this is some insights then. So, so our listeners have got a game, and they're going to want to bring it to market. You're going to be able to tell them with fairly confident, high level of confidence. Uh-huh. Uh, or, yeah, hey, that might have some potential. What advice are you going to give them? Well, I mean, always do something that sets yourself apart. 
They always have a twist or a hook. Or like who? I don't know. Just anything creative. You say who, but like I, I, I have to tell you, I'll do a shout out to our friend Jamie at Stonemeyer Games with Viticulture. Viticulture did very well, and Jamie approached me and said, "Hey, although I was recommended, you know, to you, blah blah blah." And I go, Jamie, I said, I love worker placement games, and that's like all the rage right now. But it's wine, and wine games have tend not to do very well. And I'm like, it's not even wine; it's a vineyard. Worker vineyard. Place. Sorry, right. you, you know what I mean. I, sorry, the, the viticulture, of course, you know, the winemaking world. And I really, I don't want to say begrudgingly, but I'm like, okay, we'll try it. You know, but I don't think so, but I love worker placement games, so it has a place closer to my heart. We did it, and it took off. You know, it did great. Sold out. Going to do another print run. You know, he's going to do a Kickstarter, I believe, with a correction, something like that. What, set, it, what set him apart? He didn't, Jay, marketing. He didn't Jay, do any marketing. Because Jamie's been on the show a couple sure. of times, and I reference him a lot. He, he's social, social, social marketing, he did a phenomenal job. You know, through Facebook, through blog posts, through updating on his Kickstarter, through whatever. His social marketing was great. Did he advertise in print or online ads online, Board Game Geek, in distributor or retailer magazines? No. Did he go do conventions? No. Did he go drive from store to store? No. He didn't do any of that. He's a rarity. you got to understand that 90% of the games that go out there sell that same old, same old number. What's that number? Because you've been in on distribution, the three yeah. to six hundred copies forever. <laughs> it's the forever. Answer. I didn't get to ask you that. Time. <laughs> I know. So it's the forever. So you got to understand the odds when somebody comes to me as a businessman. I have to assume that they're going to be that person. As much as I've seen so much great stuff and whatever, you know. So some people think I'm like just a downer sometimes. Oh, why are you saying that about my game? Uh, but you got to understand the odds. It's like you putting your money in craps. You know, to roll box cards. You know, how many times do people do that? Not very often. <laughs> Not very often. All right. I appreciate uh, all of you taking a few minutes here to come into the studio to kind of talk about this. This is a great topic because we have you and I both share an audience that a lot of people talk to us about this and they want to know, and, and they have an assumption, right, that they have this kind of this idea in their head that they've got the greatest next game, the next magic. They've Man. got the next. D&D, whatever. D&D, thank goodness the Monopoly variants are starting to die off. But, uh, yeah. And so I appreciate you coming in and kind of sharing some of the numbers and ideas as we can talk about it. Well, one thing I do want to add just in the end real quick. I encourage, as much as retailers are against Kickstarter right now, I encourage them to keep pounding these publishers with ideas, potential ways to work with them. Don't just push it away. Work with them. Keep thinking of ideas. Keep trying things right now. And I think something will happen where it will work for retailers and and Kickstarter will to work well. There's so much success and energy that's pouring yeah. in. It's got it. It's going to work. Agreed. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Aldo Giazzi, the President, CEO, Grand Poobah of Impressions, <laughs> which you can find out on the internet at impressionsadv.net. Correct. He uh, has taken some time to come into the studio and share with us. I certainly appreciate it. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. Whenever I spend time with Aldo, I'm always inspired. And so <laughs> we're looking forward to seeing your project out there on Kickstarter so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.